Good morning. Hello there. How are you? I am. I just realized I'm feeling a little uh, dog-like because I'm sitting in my mother's car with the window cracked in a parking lot. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> At least the window is cracked. That is classic. Anyway, so that's <laughs> that's how I am this morning. How are you? Right. I'm doing well. It's you know, it's uh, already hot at, you know, nine something in the morning. So, yeah, hence the window cracking uh, reason I don't live in Florida. Right. It's supposed to be in the 90s for the next several days, I hear. Yes, that's what I hear. I'm not a big fan, but we'll, uh, Nor we'll am get I. through it, I guess. <laughs> we don't really have a lot of options, right? That's very true. I still say my, my retirement plan is to move to Alaska for half the year, but. Got a little, not a, not a little, terrible plan, really. Little ways to go before that happens. So, once again, uh, I can sit here and talk about the weather all day because I, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about Acts 13, picking up where we left off uh, previously, as we were, uh, as we, as we left our heroes, they were uh, on Cyprus. <laughs> they were. Uh, on Cyprus, and they were preaching at Paphos, and now they're leaving Paphos after having, um, after having this uh, somewhat—I don't know if "dramatic" is the right word—but this bold confrontation with Elymas the sorcerer, and uh, seeing the proconsul, the Roman proconsul Sergius Paulus, converted to to Christ, they leave, and Paul and Barnabas in uh, Acts thirteen thirteen. Uh, they leave Paphos and they do some traveling. They sail to Perga and Pamphylia. And John, John Mark, uh, writer of the Gospel of Mark and uh, the cousin of Barnabas who just joined them uh, right before this in chapter 12, the end of chapter 12, now leaves them <clears throat> and returns to Jerusalem. We're not really told why, uh, but later on we will uh, learn that whatever the reason, it bothered Paul. And so he... Uh, Later on, did not want uh, John Mark to join them uh, for the for the next trip. So, anyway, they uh, they sail on to Pisidian Antioch, and uh, when they get there, they do what they normally do, and on the Sabbath they go into the synagogue where the Jews are gathered for what we would uh, call church. It's kind of like what we have here. It's the gathering together, uh, and they read the scriptures and they celebrate the Lord and. And as they uh, get there and they are in the synagogue, I don't know that they're going to preach. They, I mean, they do, and that's pretty regular for them because they know how this goes, that uh, visiting teachers are invited to speak uh, pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so they go to the synagogue essentially to worship, right? And they sit down uh, and after the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers, this is uh, verse 15, the synagogue rulers send word to them saying, uh, brothers, if you have a message of encouragement or exhortation for the people, please speak. Go ahead and, and deliver your word. Well, it doesn't take a whole lot of invitation for Paul to get up and talk about Jesus. So in verse 16, he does. And as he speaks to them, he speaks to them as one of them. So Paul speaks to the Jews as a Jew, as an insider. And he addresses them, uh, men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God. So we have Gentiles here in this 
in the city and in the synagogue who have already converted to Judaism, to faith in Yahweh, the one true living God. Um, and, and they're together with the Jews in, in this synagogue. So they're often referred to as God-fearing Jews, uh, but they have, have come to worship Yahweh. Uh, and then he continues to, to use inclusive type of language. And when I say inclusive, I, I don't mean, you know, gender nonspecific pronouns or anything. What, what he is saying is this is God is our father. And he's talking about our people. And even as he's saying them, he's talking about our ancestors. So he says the God of our people in verse 17 chose our fathers. God chose us. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt with the mighty power. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. So he's identifying with them. You can, you know, if he was uh, uh, in a church in the South here in, in America, you'd be hearing a lot of amens and come on and read this word. <laughs> Because he's preaching what they already agree with, what they already know. He's right. Giving glory to God in his sovereign nature and choosing Israel in the things that he did from uh, out of his power. And uh, he's recounting their history. So everybody's, they're good. Preach it, brother. Amen. Bring that strong word. So uh, then he continues to, to lay out the history. And he talks about the history under the prophets, uh, under Samuel in particular. And uh, how they have King Saul as a king who's then rejected. And then they get David, who's described as a man after God's own heart. Uh, he talks about this promise that God makes to David. And then he makes the connection to Christ. So here's, here's how this all lays out. Here's our history. Here's God's sovereign hand in our history. Here's the promise that he made to David. And now understand that a descendant from David, Jesus, is the Messiah. Verse 23, from this man, David's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. So the, everything that he's doing here is not saying we're rejecting Judaism. And, and a lot of times it gets portrayed that way today, um, you know, that Christianity sort of uh, undoes or usurps Judaism. Jesus isn't, or I mean, Paul isn't saying that at all because Jesus didn't say that at all. Right. What he's saying instead is this is what God had always promised. What we see in Christ is not something, uh, you know, that is ontologically different, but rather it's the completion of what God had said, year, you know, years and generations ago. So now Jesus, the descendant of David, has come just as God promised. And before the coming of Jesus, John, the Baptist, as we know him, uh, preach repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. It's important for him to make that connection because the prophets that we see in the Old Testament, uh, as, as we look at, at Malachi and others, we see that Elijah will come, the one who will come to make straight the way of the Lord, to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so John, in that role as Elijah, comes and does that thing. And everybody you know, has heard John's become pretty famous. Now, this is years later. And John's fame would still be holding up. He says, as John was completing his work, again, there's a completion that we see. The completion of God's promise, the completion of what, uh, what John was doing, what he was there to do as preparing the way for the Lord. 
He says, who do you think I am? I'm not that one. I'm not that Messiah. But the one who is coming after me is the Messiah. And I'm not even worthy to, to tie his shoes. So he, he makes this claim. And then in verse 26, it says, brothers, children of Abraham, again, including. Uh, this isn't us versus them. It's we're in this together. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. Just a little side note there in verse uh, 26. He includes the God-fearing Gentiles in the us. Right, that's, I was just going to say. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, there's an illusion here, uh, you know, a foreshadowing of what we would see later in the book of Romans. It's actually, uh, it looks back to how God had always viewed Gentiles, what God had always said about his people. And Paul will clarify that later in, uh, in the book of Romans, that you are not a child of Abraham if you're only a child of Abraham by your ethnic descent. That's, mm -hmm. not, that's not what this is about. You're not a child of Abraham if you have this heritage and this tradition. You're a child of Abraham when you are a child of Abraham by faith. When you share the faith that Abraham had in God, that's when you can know that you're a child of God, that you're a child of Abraham. So the true Israel, the true Jew, shares in Abraham's faith, shares in Abraham's promise. Those who don't have his faith then are outside of his promise. And again, later on, he makes the comparison to, to the, the son of Hagar, Ishmael, who was, yes, a child of Abraham, and yet decidedly not when it came to the promise. Right. Anyway, so he includes the God-fearing Gentiles as the us part. The people of Jerusalem in verse 27 and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. And we've talked about this pretty extensively as we walk through the book of Acts, that the things that that we do anti-God, the things that, that the devil uh, tries to use as weapons uh, against us, God has ordained as tools. So in their rejection of Christ, in, in disregarding him, they're actually fulfilling exactly what God said would happen for the right. Messiah. So those who are denying that he is the fulfillment of prophecy, actually in their... In Joke, actually, jokes on them. Right. They, they are part of him for fulfilling the prophecy. Right. They're actually confirming it. So they, they couldn't uh, convict him justly. So they unjustly send him to Pilate to be crucified. Jumping down to verse 32, he says, We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second psalm. And so he goes, he goes through and, and, and he quotes the psalms. And uh, when they get done uh, in dealing with, with what they're dealing with and, and giving really a, a, a pretty amazing call. So he gives all this beautiful picture of our togetherness and our unity and, you know, this, this calls for all of us uh, who belong to God and, and, again, including the Gentiles in that. But he wraps it up by saying, take care that what the prophets have said, this is verse 40, that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. So this is the uh, repent for the end is near kind of moment. <clears throat> He's... He's given them this good news of Jesus. And he's saying, look, you, you need to believe. Uh, in fact, right before this, verse 39, it says, Through him, through Christ, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. So repent, turn to Christ in faith, 
you can be justified. If not, then understand you, you are going to face a judgment. You are going to perish. Don't, don't let that happen to you. So as they're leaving the synagogue, then the people are like, hey, we want to hear more about this. Can you come back next week and teach us some more? So, of course, they're excited about that. They, they have some, some uh, conversations as they're going. Uh, but an interesting thing happens next week. They come, and they're, they've obviously, the people have been talking about this throughout the week. They're bringing out friends and neighbors and relatives, and everybody's there. Virtually the whole town is there to hear Paul and Barnabas speak about Christ. And now the Jews, and when it says the Jews, I presume that it, that it means the leadership, because it also talks about the Jews accepting them. So there's a, there's a difference between the belligerent Jews, ostensibly the leadership, and the receiving faithful Jews who want to hear more of the message and eventually turn to Christ. But they get there, and when, when the Jews hear this big, or see this big crowd, they become jealous, and they, they talk abusively against them. Um, they, they want to kick them out of there. And Paul and Barnabas, uh, verse 46, they, they answer them boldly. Again, what we saw last week, that the more intimately we know Christ, the, more, uh, the, the better we know him, then the, the better we show him. And so they have this confidence because of their private life with Christ, to say, hey, we had to speak the word of God to you first, but you rejected. And I love the line, you do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. It's here, but you don't think it's, it's for you. You're rejecting God in this. Therefore, we're going to turn to the Gentiles. And he quotes Isaiah 49, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And so the Gentiles are glad, and the Jews are not glad, and uh, the word of God spreads. But even as, they're, as, they're, uh, as the gospel is spreading, the same Jews that are causing a problem here incite uh, the people against them. They stir up persecution against Paul and Bar- Barnabas. And so they, they say, that's it, we're out, we're done. They shake the dust from their feet in protest, and then they, they went on to Iconium. But it wraps up with, this verse uh, 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So they're, they're rejected, they're persecuted, they leave, but they're filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So I think that wraps it up pretty well. <laughs> yeah. So we will end there. Which too. is what we should do. Right. Not always easy, but if, if the disciples can do it. <laughs> uh, so we'll stop there. We're a little over time. But uh, yeah, be sure to check out uh, our live stream on Sunday morning on Facebook and uh, YouTube. Uh, and uh, we'll talk more about this next week. So thanks for thanks for calling me, Rich. All righty. Thank you.